Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about tech news, science news, any other kind of related news we feel like talking about. I am historian Matt. Uh, today, you know, I usually talk about tech and science news, but today it's all about climate change related topics. So my first topic is 7-Eleven gets into the EV game. That's an interesting one. And the second one is IPCC's sixth report. It's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Their sixth report was just released. We'll talk about that a little bit. And that's it. So uh, you and the pink mic. How's it going? I am HK Perrin, and I talk about uh, software development news. I am a software developer, and my language of choice is TypeScript. And this week, TypeScript 5.0 came out, so I'm going to talk about that. Over to you with the silver mic with the black windscreen. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm the producer of this and every show here on Echoplex Media. Uh, today, I've got libraries in the Internet Archive versus book publishers, and then I have uh, some terrifying news about a robot. Uh, back to you, Matt. <laughs> All right. My first uh, quick story is 7-Eleven gets into the EV game. And that's basically, this actually was happening, I guess, a couple of years ago. They started this, but they're kind of ramping it up now. But basically, 7-Eleven is starting its own charging network called 7Charge. That's for charging cars, charging electric cars. Uh, they have a, a smartphone app already out that you can download. I believe it's free to download, but you probably have to put your credit card info in there because that's how you actually pay when you charge your card. There are apparently 32 DC fast chargers in the network already out there so far in California, Colorado, Texas, and Florida. And that's a good thing, even though there's not many fast chargers are expecting to expand it. There are currently 9,000 7-Elevens in the US, give or take. Uh, and, but it's unclear like if all of the stores will have chargers or only the corporate owned stores, or if it's gonna be a mix so some of the ones owned by uh, franchisees will be able to add them if necessary or if they want to or and have the money to install them. But what do you guys think? 7-Eleven charging cards. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, some of the stores in this in like the cities aren't going to be able to do it because they don't have a parking lot. Um, but other yeah, than that, like it'll be pretty big. It'll be big in the burbs. Absolutely. It'll be big in the burbs. And think about this, like if you don't have a charger at home, but you live a five minute walk from the 7-Eleven, you just go like charge your car at 7-Eleven, go home, make dinner, go about your business and then go pick up your car when it's done charging. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in California, most of the time I lived there, my apartment was across the street from a 7-Eleven. Uh, if I had an electric car, like they're really, really easy to charge it. Of course, I work for Google, so I could charge at work, but uh, whatever. <laughs> it's a thought, right? Uh, and a, a lot of these 7-Elevens don't have the infrastructure for gasoline, so they don't have, you know, gas pumps there, like the one that was across from yeah. your old place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you don't need any sort of, like, big infrastructure for EV charging. You just need power off the grid. Yeah, and parking space, like parking spots, right? <laughs> yeah. A few, yeah. few 7-Elevens I've been to have not had any parking around them at all. They're in places that's like a walkable neighborhood where people just walk to them. So those wouldn't get them, but, uh, yeah. you know, most of the other ones I've seen would seem like it would have the space for it. And if you're a seven 11, like you'd probably want them because now you have kind of a captive customer for 30 minutes or however long it takes to charge. 
and it's basically like free money for you because like there's no work in that you yeah know, the customer yeah. is doing all of the work right and you probably contract someone else out to maintain the chargers that's what i'd do yeah 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 i don't know how that that's working i mean 7-eleven probably has that all set up but i know the some of the other charging networks have had a lot of problems with the chargers not being fixed you know they're broken all the time they can't and people having trouble finding working ones and there's some question on who is supposed to fix them kind of weird but hopefully that's not going to be a problem with 7-eleven and i hope they uh, expand a lot because they could be a real game changer yeah, 7-Eleven's a legacy company that's been around for a while and they, you know, they've gas stations and stuff. So I think they're probably going to be it's going to be in their best interest maybe versus other people to make sure they're maintained. <clears throat> Cuz like you were saying, if you're if you're charging your car and maybe you don't live in the neighborhood, it's just the nearest by charger. Well, if your charger doesn't work, then that person's also not going to go in and spend money at the 7-Eleven. That's right. Yeah. So it's in there it would be in their interest to definitely keep the chargers well maintained yeah maybe even uh maybe even put some uh at the places where they have it maybe put a couple tables out outdoors outside outside the 7-eleven for people to kind of chill out while their car's charging but that's crazy because if you remember uh when when we were all kids the last thing the 7-eleven wanted was anybody loitering there so <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> Uh, well, I'd imagine they wouldn't mind the kind of people who drive EVs to be loitering. <laughs> Plus, sure. if you're if you're charging your car, I don't think you're loitering anymore. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, so you did mention these are fast chargers, so they're like you would charge your car from like twenty to eighty in like like twenty five minutes, right? Yeah, I'm thinking like twenty five thirty minutes. Yeah, so I that's definitely that enough time for them to go in and spend some money. Yeah, and like it's and Seven Elevens oftentimes are next to other businesses too. It's not like it's just a Seven Eleven there. So there might be like a cafe or like a sandwich shop or something nearby too that would also benefit from this. Yeah, I know there was a really really good uh, when I lived in Campbell, the Seven uh, Eleven. There was a pretty good uh, first. There was a real good taqueria there, but somehow somehow they managed to shut not not maintain their taqueria, and but then they a little Greek place went in that was really good though. They didn't have falafel, which made me angry. But 7-Eleven should just start selling falafel. And then they, this would be great. You could charge your EV and get a falafel at 7-Eleven. Yeah, this is good. I think um, more as long as we're not at saturation right now, I can't see a downside for any business. We're like a retail business. Like I could see like, like any business, it would be wise to do this as long as they're like, you know, in enough locations that it would be worth worth your while to download the app for it. Like as soon as this goes live, Matt, you have an EV. If it starts to go live in Florida, even if you don't generally charge your car at Seven Eleven, you'll probably have the app in case you're out and about and need to charge your car, right? Yeah, it would make sense. Uh, I'm already like range anxiety is a thing. <laughs> I've gone on some long trips where, I mean, I, luckily I haven't had any problems finding a, a charger, but it's a little worrisome when you're out and you know you can't make it back, <laughs> and you're not sure if you're going to find it where the the chargers are. Yeah, because even like, even in not even in more rural areas, there's still kind of Seven Elevens everywhere. Yeah. So, and but they'll probably roll it out first in like dense suburbs, but then if if right. it works out real well, it might just be at any Seven Eleven that has a parking lot. Sure, like in in less dense places, there might only be one or two chargers, but 
if you know yeah. you can go grab a cup of coffee and kind of hang out for a little bit and charge your car to make even if it's even if you don't do the whole like that 25 minute thing if you're just there for 10 or 15 minutes to make sure you can get home that's that's you know that's great yeah it's fantastic plus i just yeah. kind of like 7-eleven i've always like my entire <laughs> life i've gone to 7-eleven that is not a brand that people hate people love yeah, 7-eleven <laughs> i have a 7-eleven yeah. drink right now wow <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately there's not a 7-eleven close to me at the moment and i looked up where the charges that apparently already are in florida and they're like way south <laughs> there's like a couple oh. in the tampa area and then there's one like on the east coast like directly across from there i don't know where it is it wasn't clear where the actual charger was but it wasn't even orlando which is where i'd expect it or miami um, i would imagine if 7-eleven starts making a lot of money through this this would be a trend that catches on you'd have all yeah. sorts of these like convenience stores and just little like you know little shops that have ev chargers right in front of them well but yeah. the, the reason 7-eleven is like poised to do this is because they're they're all over the place and like there's already a 7-eleven app i couldn't I, I i actually don't know why they didn't just roll it into their already existing app because then you have that already existing app and that app can like tell you to buy shit at 7-Eleven all the time too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I hate it when people, when companies have apps that are like for specific things and they just like send you ads at the same time. I block that, that stuff so fast. <laughs> Oftentimes delete the app just because it's not worth it. Well, I don't mean like ads. I mean like when you open the app, it'll be like, It'll be like you oh, know, yeah. pictures of hot dogs and like a big gulp and a slurpee. Then you just press the charge <laughs> button. And it, Fair it, enough. <laughs> but it would just, that that's not really intrusive, right? You're like, oh shit. No, I could, I, if it's, the it's, app is open, that, I mean, that makes sense to me to have that. Oh, by the way, you can grab a dollar fifty hot dog. I don't know how much they are. At, yeah. At and it can give you like now. little coupons. Yeah. 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 Specific to like, if, oh, if, if you start to, you know, if, if you're going to do, if you charge your car for 15 minutes or longer, you get a, you get a, you get a big gulp for 99 cents or whatever, you know, they're, they're, and they're, they're going to do that. It, it, yeah. If we thought of it, they have certainly thought of it. They are the most <laughs> successful convenience store chain in the world, possibly. So what, well, that's great news. I like, I like that first story. And, um, so, sometimes the story that I don't think we're going to talk a lot about is the one that we end up talking. And I think we may end up having talked the most about Seven Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got next? Well, my Matt? second story will bring you back down. <laughs> oh, no. This is IPCC's sixth report. That's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So they've, uh, this is their sixth report since uh, 2018. I assume that's when they first started uh, doing these regular reports. And uh, it's, it's not good. There's a lot of stuff in it. But some of the most important stuff is basically our interventions to reduce CO2 output basically is uh, insufficient to keep temperatures rise from rising between one and a half to two degrees at centigrade. Uh, and uh, if we wanted to hit these targets, there were some targets like the, for 2030, 2035. So basically, if we wanted to keep emissions under two degrees, We'd have to like reduce our emissions by 21 percent by 2030 and 35 percent by 2035 to to reach that target target and to keep it under one and a half degrees those numbers are 43 percent and 60 percent respectively pretty hard numbers for us to to hit 
Uh, there is some good news-ish, kind of, but uh, the war in Ukraine, which is not good news, but uh, it has you know driven up particularly gas prices, uh, um, natural gas prices uh, in Europe, particularly, and Europe has been rapidly shifting from fossil fuels to renewable energy to make up the difference in the demand. So they are, I don't know if they're quite on target. Some of the, they have been replacing some of the natural gas with other stuff like coal, which is not good, but they have been uh, rapidly adding uh, renewable stuff. So what do you guys think? Not a good report, but uh, what we got? Uh, it is exactly what I expected, uh, yeah. that it would be terrible news. Uh, and there is a solution, and it's a solution that no one wants, and I don't know why we're not doing it, uh, because it would solve the problems. And the, you know, the last part of that, where you said it was good news that Europe is shifting from fossil fuels to renewable energy, is proof that the solution would work. Just tax gas at what it actually costs to the environment. Like right now, all of those costs of gas, like we think of like, oh, gas is so much cheaper than, you know, whatever. It's not. It's just that, you know, we pay for it at the pump with money and then we pay for it with damage to our environment. And that cost, the cost of the damage to the environment and the eventual price that we will have to pay for that is so much bigger than the cost of just immediately everyone just ditching gas and moving to some other solution. So if we actually baked that price into the price of gas, if we actually taxed gas at how it should be taxed, how it actually costs the environment, no one would be buying gas because it would be like $8 a gallon. Europe already does that to some extent. Have you seen sometimes in London, the price of a liter of gas is more than the price of a gallon of gas, like in the United States. And I know they, they yeah. left uh, Europe. So maybe, you know, France or whatever. The, the, sometimes a liter is more than there than a gallon is here. And a liter is significantly less fuel than a gallon of fuel. So they, it's already baked in there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, if it's harder for them well, to get it. There's a couple of things like uh, Europe doesn't have as many, um, what is it? They're, they're not subsidizing oil and gas companies the same, same way we do in the United States, which artificially reduces the price of gas in the United States. Uh, on top of that, uh, what you're talking about is a carbon tax, by the way. That's, that's the name of what you're talking about with the taxing gas, but it's a tax on carbon emissions. And yeah. sometimes they talk about tax and trade where you can actually trade with other companies that are uh, capturing uh, carbon from the atmosphere to offset. There's issues with that, but definitely that the tax part, but it's really hard to push that through in our environment with, you know, where we have to deal with Republicans. Well, and, and carbon offsets do not work. Just tax pollution. Like that is pollution, right? It's yes. literally just pollution, right? You're, you're taking something and you're just throwing it. It's trash. You're taking trash and you're just throwing it into the environment. So why is it that, you know, people can do that without having to pay any sort of price. You know, if I was caught throwing my trash into the river at the, at the local park, I would have to pay a fine for that. Yeah. 
So how come ExxonMobil gets to throw all their trash into the atmosphere and they don't have to pay any fines for that? Because they're a really big, rich company and can just bribe all our politicians. Yep, exactly. That's called that's called a campaign donations, Matthew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah, this is this is bad news. You know, um, all these people that are running around with this save the children crap. They're trying to save the children from drag queen story hour. When their kids grow up, it ain't going to be drag queen story hour that's going to make them have to wear a gas mask everywhere they go. <laughs> yeah. My God. Oh, yeah, we got to do. I mean, I and the other thing is like, you know, people like I, I do my part. Like I, I ride a bike. I have like almost no carbon footprint. I use maybe more electricity than someone else might use because of all the equipment out here. But computers are fairly efficient and all my lights are LED. Uh, you're also in California, which I think by in Northern California, when I was in that area, by default, it's all renewable. As much of it oh. as possible. Yeah. 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 Not so much here in Florida, <laughs> but even though we have plenty of sunshine, well, there are probably laws against that in Florida, huh? <laughs> it's woke, buddy. That solar panel is woke. Yeah, you're you're real, like you, installing yeah. solar panels on, on, on top of your house and Ron DeSantis personally comes over and like steps on him <laughs> and dismantles, <laughs> dismantles him. The only reason they're even letting you have a Tesla there is because it's to some extent the functional equivalent of a MAGA hat at this point. <laughs> just because they love elon there otherwise they wouldn't they'd outlaw teslas too there yeah probably <laughs> anyway that's what we have a we have a whole show on sunday about politics maybe we're delving a little bit into that but the problem with is the problem one of the problems and it's not really a problem but when you're covering technology you are covering politics you have no there's there's no way that and i don't think anybody was watching this show all the other episodes and been like you know these people are straight down the middle i had no idea they were uh, they were libs <laughs> <laughs> anyway what what you got hk all right i got something that's about as far removed from politics as you can get i'm going to talk about typescript 5.0 just came out this week uh and it includes a really big new awesome feature one that uh there was a uh like a, a beta version of this feature that used a slightly different uh syntax uh or a slightly different API, but now this is the full final release, uh, and it's based on an ECMAScript standard, an upcoming ECMAScript standard, and it is decorators. Uh, Dave, do you want to scroll down a little bit to the decorator portion of that page? Uh, decorators are really cool. They are a way to customize a class or a uh, class member, so uh, a, uh, a method on that class or a property on that class. Uh, and a decorator, it allows you to to use a uh, a chunk of code over and over and over again. So it's a, a way to facil facilitate dry coding, which stands for don't repeat yourself. Uh, they've existed in other languages for a long time. For example, Java has had decorators for years and years and years. Uh, and they are really nifty, but they're also pretty dangerous. Uh, when you are when you are using a decorator, essentially what you're doing is you're overriding a method. So what us JavaScript devs used to do is we would just take the method out and bind it to the original object and then like do, you know, create a new function that would call that method and then attach that to the object. That's how we used to do that. And that's essentially what a decorator is doing. So anything that would be 
as dangerous as overriding a method or you know uh using a proxy uh a proxy object you know you got to think of decorators in that way so um you really need to know what's happening when you're calling a method that has decorators on it because if the decorator has side effects then your method has side effects uh and it can lead you to some really confusing errors so uh if you're if you're starting to use these uh it is definitely a foot gun and enjoy <laughs> uh also, TypeScript 5 is twice the speed at half the size. Uh, the TypeScript NPM package went from 64 megabytes to 38 megabytes, just a little bit over 50% of, uh, of its size, of its old size, and it drastically increased the speed of compiling. So compiling your code is going to be way faster with TypeScript 5. So... Uh, there were some other changes, too, that if you want to see them, you can click the link in the uh, show notes. Uh, there were smaller changes, but they might be important to you. And, uh, yeah, any any questions from you guys? I got nothing. But, yeah, why are you <laughs> using static typing? Boo, static typing. Uh, static America typing static. is awesome. <laughs> Make America duck type again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I have coded in, uh, I've coded in PHP and I've coded in JavaScript for most of my adult life. Uh, I'm so, so sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that is why I love static typing because I know all of the bad shit that happens when you use dynamic typing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I've I've programmed mostly in Java, which is static statically typed, uh, but I've programmed in a lot of other languages that are, at, you know, at in you know actual professional environments, right? Uh, with uh, um, dynamically typed languages, and I've much prefer the dynamically typed languages. Uh, in most cases, I've not hit a lot of the problems that so many people other com complain about in dynamically typed when they're well that's programming that's one of the nice things about typescript is because it's kind of in between you know yeah. it's it is strictly typed so your types have to well everything is strictly to the typed. even dynamically are... typed languages are strictly typed that's a different thing <laughs> okay uh it is it is statically typed uh yeah. but uh it's still like you you can have unions of types in typescript where you know, you can define something as like as a boolean or a number, or you can just put any, and then you fuck over all your users. <laughs> <laughs> Everything isn't any. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, TypeScript is is kind of a an interim. Uh, in it's in between. Yeah. Static and strict that, and dynamic and loose. That argument has nothing to do with what you're talking about here. Uh, new interesting stuff with the uh, typescript but yeah yeah but i, I love typescript more, so it it's awesome i'm i'm super glad to see how much work is going into it uh just since i started using it which was like four years ago i think yeah maybe five years ago uh just since then and i think that was like typescript 2.0 they have made so many improvements It's much better nice. than flow, which is uh, 
you know, TypeScript is from Microsoft and Flow is uh, strictly typed JavaScript from Facebook. Uh, and Flow is uh, not as good. Okay. Yeah, it was all done through like comments so that it could be like, it could, it could be actual JavaScript, but also had types all over the place. Uh, yeah. which was really bad. I like the way Microsoft did it, where they're like, we'll just write our own thing, and you'll compile it into JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I guess uh, now it's my turn. Uh, today we got, <clears throat> looks like uh, libraries in the Internet Archive versus book publishers. Today, there was a court case that might affect basically the way libraries and places like the internet archive are able to digitally lend out books. Um, what they've been doing is some libraries in the internet archive have been scanning um, physical copies of books that they have and then lending those out to people basically via your computer for a while. Well, looks like hatchet hachette hachette, uh, not happy. Um, and they're suggest they're saying that this violates copyright because they're copying this book and lending it out to you as a digital copy while they also are lending out the physical copy. So now there's two, maybe three or four when they only purchased or were given one of these. Um, that's the whole thing. That's the crux of the case. Um, I, what I'm sorry, I got a question here because before I heard that libraries were doing this, they would scan these books or somehow create digital copies but when they lent it out they kept the physical copy and like separated out so there was always like a one-to-one -one kind of thing with the digital copy and the the um physical copy so they would keep the physical copy when they lent out the the digital copy um so there's only one out there but that's not what's happening here anymore well <clears throat> i would imagine that's not what always is happening <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean well you know I would imagine. I know it's silly to do that because, you know, bits are free, but that's to get around the whole copyright issue. And I thought that was considered fine. Well, apparently it's not. This is not anymore. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe the courts will be smart and just be like, these are yeah. libraries in the Internet Archive. What are you doing? Because that's like <laughs> my response to this is the like libraries in the Internet Archive. I've always thought we we've it's been reasonable to give places like libraries in the internet archive a bit of a mulligan on copyright honestly um yeah i th i think it's for the betterment of society to to do so and i don't think that there's any interest to society in not letting the library like digitize the book and then lend out a digital copy or even five of them i don't see <clears throat> i don't see how this is hurting the book publishers because when you go to the library to get a book, it's a book you don't intend on buying, but that you would like to read. And so, you know, the, the competition versus the library here is just piracy in this, in this case, I think it's not the book publisher. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do see why a company would be upset if they were giving out two copies of the book and they only were supposed to have one. I mean, that's essentially the same as like photocopying the book and stapling it into a big, you know, binder and then lending that. Uh, but, you know, as long as the library is keeping the physical copy when the digital copy is, is lent out, 
I don't see this as a problem at all. Like, do these people just want to be able to charge more for the digital copy? I, I my take is that they want to because you know the the book publishers all almost all now they do put out ebooks, right? And so I think they yeah. probably want to make the library buy the ebook as well as the phys, as well as the physical book is what they what they yeah, think right. that's what they want to do here. But I think that this is um, bullshit. Yeah, I, I like I like just I just don't. I just don't feel like the book publisher should be going after the library. I feel like that's a dumb, like that's, you know what I mean? You can go after all kinds of people, but if you're the book publisher, it's just a bad look to go after the library. Um, maybe the internet archive yeah. might be a more, it might be more like appropriate or whatever, because who knows what the internet archive's doing and uh, who cares actually, because the, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like videos and whatnot that uh, I have to look for on the internet archive maybe for uh, some of our shows because they've been removed from YouTube for copyright, but they don't seem to get removed from the internet archive. And I think, I think, I think that the reason that is, is because a lot of people are just willing to look the other way, even copyright holders, because they know that the internet archive is doing a, a net good for society. It's archiving the internet. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it kind of feels like suing the fire department for using your garden hose. Right. It's, it's pretty <laughs> weird. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't like this, but, I hope that uh, I hope that the Internet Archive and the libraries lose. Uh, the Internet Archive has a pretty good record in court of winning. So the fact that they're going after the Internet Archive gives me some hope here. Uh, you can read the article from The Verge on on our on our show notes, and of course, the article from The Verge has more information with links and read more about the suit. You can get the the filing. You can also read stuff. the article on The Verge on the Internet Archive. You can, you can, and <clears throat> the Verge better not sue the Internet Archive for that. <laughs> so, um, my next story here is terrifying. This is just absolutely the most terrifying thing I saw when I was looking through stories today. So, there's there's a human sized robot. It's it's an industrial robot, and it has eyes. Um, the problem isn't so much that the robot has eyes or I mean, that's a little bit unsettling, but the, the real terrifying thing here is that the eyes are used in this way. Well, it's not letting me do that. Let's try that. Let's try it here. This isn't a video. Here we go. Mechanical system after we get it together about a day ago. Just isn't letting me full screen. Oh, that's that was creepy. Just yeah. a pair of legs. Interesting to have the knees going the opposite direction. So this is the creepy part right here. Is that you can log into the robot and see through its eyes. Oh, they're not gonna show it? I thought they're gonna show it. Digit is a robot that is ready for work, a pragmatic tool designed to be useful in the world, to go where we go, work on our terms, do useful things, and interact naturally with us, 
Oh, they're not going to show it. So the, the creepy part about this that I saw was that you can actually, if you own the robot, you can log into the robot and look through its eyes. And I think that's absolutely terrifying. I, I know, I know it, other people might not think so, but I saw that and I'm like, this is terrifying. I don't know. Maybe what I did a it? bad job of explaining it because I thought the videos were going to contain what, uh, what happened. But yeah, it lets you log in and look through the robot's eyes. What is it about that that terrifies you? I can't really put my uh, finger on it. Okay. I mean, the first thing that <laughs> pops into my head is if you have all these industrial robots running around a, a warehouse or something, and like the boss can look through the eyes of the robot, that's just another way of, you know, surveilling <laughs> workers. Or the yeah, other robots. Like they do that now through, you know, cameras on the ceiling. That's true. But at least now, like a worker could like, you know, if they have have to have like a private conversation, they could go off into a corner where the cameras don't see. Now you're going to have robots walking up on you while you're talking to you, like your wife. Like, yeah. get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what are you doing human? Yeah, I just get don't back to work. I just don't like the. It's like a first person shooter, but it's like of your warehouse. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Jesus that's exactly see so now, now you know why i'm terrified of it right okay. it's like it's like quake three yeah. but it's just your warehouse yeah so i think like the the eyes the actual like led indicator eyes on the front are just to let a human being know where the robot is going to move right yeah right that's that's not the the, the terrifying part is the there's the yeah. first person robot part they're not like where you're actually looking through. You're looking through a camera somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think that's creepy. To know that like when you look at this robot, it might not just be the robot looking at you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That, that is creepy. You're right. And it's, it's, it's creepier than cameras because you know like where the cameras, it, it's like an anthropomorphized thing that it's just, it's just all bad. And like, I don't know, does it like, I just don't want robots running around that. I don't know if they're, if they're the, I mean, okay. The robot looking at you is weird enough, but then do you, is someone else looking at you via the robot's eyes? I just feel like it's just, it's just like super creepy. And, uh, and you know, someone's going to zip, zip tie a flashlight onto it. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's, that's different. What was what, what rule is that again? There's, there's porn about it. Whatever it is, was that rule? I forget what rule, rule that 34 is. or something of the internet. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. So, um, that's all of our stories, but before, uh, before we get out of here, I did want to, uh, advertise this, uh, shirt, uh, HK made the cat image on this shirt in stable diffusion. This is available on our website. It's very cool. Uh, HK, yeah, do you, before, uh, be, before we get out of here, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so uh, let me stand up, and you can see I'm actually wearing this shirt right now. Uh, it is a very comfy shirt, and uh, the everything but the text was generated by an AI, an AI text-to-image uh, application called Stable Diffusion. Stable Diffusion is open source, and it's really cool, and if you have a good graphics card, chances are you can run Stable Diffusion on your own machine and generate images just like this. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you would like to learn how to do that, I've started streaming uh, Stable Diffusion streams on my channel, which is twitch.tv slash sylphweed. Sylph like the mythical creature and weed like the stuff you smoke. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, can, I could teach you basically how to 
how to generate these images on your own and have them come out looking really good and and being high resolution because stable diffusion it's very difficult to get high resolution images out of it that actually look good so uh yeah yeah i just thought i'd Buy show the shirt that. and check out my stream I thought I'd show that off, uh, shell for ourselves a little bit, but also just kind of show off like the, the what's going on in uh, the state of stable diffusion. And uh, crap, I think I'll I think I'll go ahead and uh, read the show out this week if that's okay with everybody. Thanks for everybody for listening to How the Tech Are You. It's our weekly tech show. Uh, we're going to be trying to get it out on Wednesdays. We'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, just I'll, you know, subscribe on your podcast app of choice or subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's uh, YouTube slash at htty good on you for picking that up right away and if you want to check out what else we're doing our website's echoplexmedia.com and you can uh, check out uh, our streams we stream wednesday through sunday unless we go out of course at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and you can support this project by going to echoplexmedia.com slash support links to our shop and uh, ways to directly donate money etc etc are all there and we would really appreciate your money because i could uh, one day completely com completely quit my day job have a great tech week everybody